Hello and welcome to the Whole Lot Nothing podcast. As usual, my name is Roland Prince at Roland the Prince on Instagram, and across the table from me is my boy Jamie Lee. Hey, what's up? Hello. Hey, what's up? Hello. See Joe Pretty? Yes. Oh, okay. I just want to chill. Got a stack for us to roll. Some Fetty Wap. Of course. Some Fetty Wap at Glass Portal Studios again. Exactly. Feticus Wap. Feticus Waplius. <laughs> That's his full name for y'all who Feticus Waplius. Feticus Wap. Uh, honestly, I feel like he would have more success if his name was Feticus. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Feticus Wap. <laughs> Yo, who you seeing tonight? Yo, my boy, Feticus Wap. I, how can you not fuck with Feticus? Feticus. Feticus. It has, a, it has a nice ring to it. Exactly. Like, you know, he sounds proper. Save that money. Featuring Young Feticus. Feticus Wop. 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 Remember back in the day when the Wop vines were popping? It was like, let me see you Wop. 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 Oh, wop. let me It'd see be, you Wop. 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 And it was like in 2014, that was their version of the floss. For those of you wondering about that weird sound in the background, yeah, I just shot a Nerf gun and tried to hit James, and it didn't work. Yeah, he's been trying to do that for the past, like, 20 minutes. Hey, and you don't need to out me like that. I had only done I it once. Him. I was bouncing it off a wall and trying to hit him, and I just couldn't get the angle right, and also this gun has, like, no power, so... Yeah, but if you do want to come into Glass Portal Records at Glass Portal Records on Instagram, you can uh, you can play with some Nerf guns while you record, you know? Just because uh, why not? Yeah, you know. It's, it's a selling point. Bring your kids. Well, please don't. I don't like it. We we organize Nerf tournaments now and and stray away from being a podcast. And we could. Center. We have the space. Like in the back of my building here, there's a giant room, and it's not really used for too much other than like testing for one of the companies that also works out of the building. So like we could just toss in some like paintball barricades and just like toss some Nerf guns and start hosting birthday parties. You know, for kids and start making some guap. You know, <laughs> some some guap guap you know, guap 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 Fedica's guap. Uh, start making some feticus guap. Anyway, how you been, man? That's the that's the uh, that's the question we always start off the podcast with. How you doing, man? Life has been busy. We should probably say that tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, tomorrow's Christmas Eve. That you'll be hearing this on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So this will be coming out tomorrow. This is the the Eve cast. The Eve cast. Right now it's Christmas Eve Eve, but you're going to be hearing the Christmas Eve Eve cast on Christmas Eve. You got any uh, any fancy Christmas plans? Uh, no, no. Same thing I do every year. Just hang out with the fam. Just uh, you know, open some presents with my brother, with my mom, and then uh, I'm probably going to be coming back to uh, to the Studlius and uh, and doing some work. I have some clients that uh, that need some tracks by the new year, so you know, they're paying me the dollars. I've got to do the work. So mm-hmm. fair. Now let's uh, blart, blart, blart a bit, blart. Uh, so once again, no topic has been spoken to beforehand about what we're going to converse about, but you mentioned the new year. The new year. And what I want to know are not so much your New Year's resolutions, but what are Roland Prince's New Year's goals? My New Year's goals are, um, well, I've been saying this since last year. I've been planning to to do a lot more shows this summer, uh, get a couple different festivals or a couple different shows in a couple different cities lined up. Um, I'm not going to tell y'all right now because just in case it doesn't happen, but uh, I have received... Uh, at least a hopeful email, an inquiry, and basically requesting my services to be present at a quite a large festival in the U.S. It's in Austin, Texas. That's all I'm going to say. You can figure it out if you want to figure it out. But my my presence has been requested. That's all I'm saying. I'm just in case things don't go the right way. 
Um, but in how the, did they find you? Um, so I actually I applied. Wow. And I was just like, hey, here's my artist resume. Um, I was like, they're like, we receive tens of thousands of applications from artists and only end up replying to about 500 and then narrow it down even further from there. So they've already done their their 500 emails. I was part of that. And then they narrowed it down even further and I was still a part of that. So I don't know what, what number they're currently circulating around uh, right now, but it's under 500. So hopefully I do get the, the selection uh, in the process, but my presence has been requested. They do want me there. So when's the decision going to be made? Uh, decisions finalized next year around like February. So so you really got to get some music out. To... Exactly. And for those of y'all who don't know, I do have an album starting its release on February first, and I say starting its release because it's a unique release style. I've already talked about this on the podcast before. So if you want to go uh, go back and listen to uh, the art of releasing an album, I believe. That's uh, that's the, the title. process of process releasing, of releasing an, album. an album. There it is, but um, but yeah, my, I'm going to be releasing a song every single week throughout February, starting on Friday, February first, and every single Friday is going to be a new song. Through uh, and that's how I'm releasing my album, Loaf Boy. So uh, stay tuned to that. There's going to be a cutscene which with each song that uh, tells the story of the Loaf Boy, and it's it's a concept album. So I really hope y'all enjoy that. I, I don't know, niggas don't do concept albums no more. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna bring that shit back. Add some cutscenes, do the do some, do my shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, throughout the new year, definitely more shows. Hopefully I can get a tour going uh, this summer, even if it's just something small, doing maybe a couple different cities, uh, like Toronto, Kingston, Ottawa, Montreal, you know. Uh, sorry, my nose holes are all stuffed. Um, but <laughs> Nostrils? <laughs> no, 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 nose holes. That's the, uh, that's the proper term. Uh, but yeah, definitely doing more shows um, and just basically trying to build my branding up even further with uh, with different out- different endeavors outside of music. So as I was talking to James about James, is, uh, of course, for those of y'all who know James, he, uh, he does travel photography and videography and uh, definitely a talented guy when it comes to uh, being behind a camera, let's just say. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to boost him too hard because, you know. You can't, can't boost my boy that hard, you know. He's gonna I, get mean, all I mean, if you want to, you can. <laughs> no, this dude's actually really good. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna be hopefully doing a show, a uh, little YouTube series with James about, uh, you know, Roland Prince going and doing things with uh, with some other local artists from Ottawa, mm-hmm. help get everybody in the city some more notoriety, not just myself. Yeah. So yeah, what I want, when I want, I guess to summarize, what I want 2019, sorry, to be, is a year where Ottawa isn't just a place where people are actively going and doing things on their own. Yeah, I'm going to be doing things for myself. Yeah, I'm going to be doing things on my own because, of course, that's what I have to do to further my own career. But I want to be helping out other artists as much as I can. And basically, with the shows that I'm planning, with the tour that I'm possibly going on, I want to be bringing artists with me from the city that I believe deserve to be heard. And it's like, hey, if I, if I even if I don't have a lot... I still got a whole lot of nothing. Which but, means they could be guests, too. Exactly. We could have them on the podcast. But what I'm saying is I don't have that much, but anything that I do have, if I do have any little bit of clout, I can share it with somebody. And that person could take that, and they can run with it, and they have their own career now. Because, cause, or if they already have their own career, help them get a little bit more audience. Everybody you know? builds together. Exactly. And that's what Chicago did. That's what New York did. That's what Atlanta did. And that's that's how why these cities popped off as hip-hop cities. But... Ottawa can pop off. Atlanta, just, especially, especially Atlanta, bro. Everyone, everyone loves each other, helps each other. Yeah, there's, of course, there's beefs. That's always going to happen with, with any city. But I don't know. I feel like Ottawa has so much talent, but there's so few people that are actually willing to work with each other. I'm one of those few people that will actively reach out to others and be like, "Yo, do you want to work together? Here's something. Here's a beat. Boom. Let's come into the studio. I have a studio. Let's go." I like, think part of the problem, though, is is that people 
that are in music, especially within Ottawa, work at music so that they can get to the point that they're out of Ottawa. Yeah, everyone they works can, to get out, yeah. Yeah, everyone works to get out of the city to head to New York, to LA, or to even Toronto. Yeah, and well, I think the that makes for a lot of people is Toronto. Yeah, and I think a lot of that sort of culture just creates a lack of collaboration between people. Well, because everyone has their their own head and their own journey and their own place that they want to go, and there's no actual collective vision. Because no one thinks of Ottawa is just that. Oh, it's just a government city. You got if you don't work a a nine to five for the government, you're not successful. And like mm-hmm. that's what people think think Ottawa is. And it's like, bro, we can make this city whatever we want it to be. Yeah, we're the ones who live here. We can change the opinions that other people have. It's just you can either go somewhere else, have to do maybe a little bit less work because the scene's already there. And you can just actively become a part of it. And sure, there's more of a want for it, but you got to fight a bunch of other artists to get your name known. Mm-hmm. Or you can work a little bit harder in your city that you're from that you know with people that you are already familiar with, at least to a, to a certain extent. You can work a little bit harder and become a king because yeah. you just created the Like Knight Lavelle. Exactly. But Knight Lavelle, I've met, I've met Lavelle. Lavelle is such a nice guy. Actually, I've, like, honestly, was very surprised at how nice this guy is. And, like, he was actively taking an interest in the thing. Like, he was, ask, like, ta- like, actively taking an interest, like, when I was talking to him, like, actively taking an interest about me, which I thought was kind of cool. I'm just a low-level dude, and this dude's doing European tours, and he's asking about me. Yeah, well, you're a whole lot of nothing. He's a whole lot of something. Exactly. And I have, I have the utmost respect for Lavelle. I actually... I, I I ran tra- I think I was at a track meet when I was in like grade ten or eleven, when uh, and I was I, like Lavelle was also running for his school. I think it was St. Paul's, St. Pius. One of, Is one he of our school. age? Yeah, he's my age. We're the same age. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, we graduated the same year, twenty fifteen. Hmm. Anyway, but um, that aside, I just feel like yeah, Lavelle, super nice dude. I have no no ill intent when I say this. It's just I feel like. He needs he needs to help the city more. He needs to give people. He has such a huge platform. And I get it. His branding is solitary, alone, dark, doing his own thing, and I get that. But I feel like if he just reached out a helping hand, pl- organized an event where he headlined, and then just put a couple openers on it, that right there, boom. I'm not saying it has to be me. I don't give a shit if it's me or not. I hope as long as anybody from the city gets some something from it, but. I feel like if he just reached out, did something to to give to the city, give the 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 kids of the city who who want to be doing something with their life a little bit of a window into his world, or, or at least a, a little bit of his clout, tiny bit. I'm not saying sell out and, and give everybody in the city everything, but just give a little bit of endorsement to to a couple people, and they can then could even be his boys, even yeah, even your boys, give a little endorsement to some people. And then from there, those people, now that they had that little bit of endorsement from Lavelle, Lavelle doesn't even have to do anything anymore. Those people have more clout within their city or even with outside of the city, and they can do the same thing for people underneath them. And they can go, yo, now I'm doing a show that people want to come and see me because Lavelle endorsed me, and now I can have some openers on my show that I fuck with and I think are cool. And those, those kids, now they get a little bit more notoriety within the city themselves. And then we do that a couple a couple different times, and everyone keeps on doing their own shows, and everyone keeps on asking for each other to be to start working with each other, and to start doing making music together, doing shows together, opening for each other. Everyone starts working collectively. That is how we get this city from a government city to a place where music, especially hip hop music, thrives. Because right now we're known as what like like people do alternative music and like scream out here. <laughs> That's pretty much it. 
I think one thing that is also underutilized, and this goes back to the collaboration thing, is that I've always found one of the best ways for up-and-coming artists to pop off is to just hop on somebody's track as a feature. Yeah, I collaboration. Think that, yeah, co- complete collaboration. You know, yeah. like like you hear like somebody somebody comes out with a song, and then there's a Roland Prince feature, and you go off, and like you you kill it. You're killing the verse, and or or maybe you're in control of the chorus or whatever, and you actually smash it. And somebody listens to that, and they're like, "Yo, who is this guy?" You yeah. know, like I I yeah. love that. And I, I love doing, there's a couple of my clients, actually. There's one song they haven't even put out yet. Uh, it's called One More Time. And they were just like, yo, we need a feature on this. And I'm like, yeah, got you. I'll do a feature well, it's on It's like that. J-Rock with uh, Kendrick. Yeah, and he just randomly hops in, and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. yeah, and you're like, whoa, like in Money Trees. And like, yo, like, I, I'm not one of those people who will just say this kind of shit and, and, and not practice what I preach. There's been plenty of shows. Actually, on my last album, you can go listen to my song, Took, off my album, Odd, and there's a feature from this guy named Jay King. I had no idea who the hell Jay King was when I got a feature from him. He just happened to come into the studio and he was and I was like, okay, do you want to work together? And he was like, he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, write a verse, go. And I, I just wanted, to, I didn't know who this kid, I listened to maybe one or two of his songs. I saw that he has a little bit of talent and I'm like, what can I do? I don't have a lot, but what can I give to this kid to help him get a le- at least some sort of a foothold? And I'm not saying I'm the only reason he has a foothold or a following of the city. Not at all. He has his own own following. He's his own guy. And I, I, let, let, I let's say I did nothing for him. It's just the premise Whatever. of but giving to begin I with. I gave him that feature and I'm like, yo, here's your slot. Here's your verse. I fucks with you. Go. I might've given him maybe... What like let's say fuck I'll I'll even run small numbers let's say I gave him ten fans because ten people listen to that song and they were like yo Jay King murdered that verse hell yeah go and then they gave then then he has ten fans now because I, I gave him ten fans and they listened to my song and just that in itself is something that helps push his career forward and if other artists start going yo. Uh, I want to. I want to go over there. Okay, let's let's get HBR Fleazy on this song because I want more people to start fucking with HBR Fleazy. Or let's get Leah Cloud on this song because I want people to be fucking with Leah Cloud. Both Southside rappers, by the way, uh, amazing artists. HBR Fleazy and Leah Cloud. Go follow them. Go find them. Amazing artists. Um, or let's say I want to get Jay Chinez on a song. Let's say I want to get like. There's a bunch of different ways you can go, and you can just get people in on your music, work together. And that's how we start getting rid of the segregation between West Side and South Side and nor- like. West Side and South Side are definitely are definitely the two sides of the city that are doing the most work, at least from what I see. We got to just stop, like, don't forget where you're from, but stop putting up barriers to work with people. You know what I mean? So that's all I'm saying. 2019, what I want to do is break down barriers. I want to start working with more people, collaborating with more people, building my own personal brand farther, doing more shows, gaining my own notoriety, but as well as as I gain my own notoriety within the city and outside of the city, I want to be giving that to other people and helping other people because who am i yeah i get it i worked for it it's my clout i get that but i'm not the kind of person that'll just take that keep it and run with it themselves no that like what i'm trying to build up a city so i gotta give a little bit i gotta give to other people i gotta give opening slots i gotta give feature slots to help people i will go on other people's tracks and do features with them you know I feel like I'm just going full circle here, but 2019 is the year of Ottawa coming together and collaborating as a collective, collective unit, collective city. We are one city. We are 613. Why aren't we fucking with each other? Like, you know, if we want to be Toronto, we want to be Atlanta, we want to be New York, we want to be whatever. I get it. Toronto doesn't always work with each other. That's I get that. But we got to start working with each other. 
we got to start helping each other. We got to start by uplifting each other, helping others come up to the step that we're on so that we can collectively lift each other up to get to that next step that's a little bit higher. You know what I mean? I feel you. It's like imagine me and George Shrinks trying to go up the stairs. <laughs> and, and there's a couple other George Shrinks that are there. It's a lot easier with a team. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier with help. And if we all collectively come together and make noise together, we're a lot louder than one person. Yeah. And we start making noise together when we're a lot louder. That's when we get the attention brought to us. That's when we get the mid-sized venues that are starting to get built because of the Ottawa Music Industry Coalition's Ottawa Music Strategy. That's when those uh, mid-sized venues start to get built faster because they see that there's a demand for those other bigger artists to start coming to this city because we as a music industry in the city started to make more noise, which makes other artists notice our city and want to come. But they're like, oh, we don't have that many mid-sized venues for for my fan size. Okay, well, we start building them in the city. Boom, now bigger artists start coming to the city and working with the with the music scene that we already have thriving here. You see, it all goes step by step by step. I could talk about this shit all day. I know, I know you can. <laughs> I can't, sorry. This is my job. This is what I do. Anyway, what are your plans for 2019? What do you want to do for 2019? Um, so my biggest goals, uh, I'll list a few of them. Um, one thing, I'm not a big fan of when, and by the way, that was very interesting points what you were saying. Thank you. But uh, I'm not a big fan of when people make goals that are determined by others. And by that I mean, so if you're, if you're a SoundCloud rapper, if you're a musician, you put out music on Spotify or you're a YouTuber, I don't think it's smart to make your goals as in, I want to get 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 listen streams or subscribers. I don't think that's smart because it's entirely predicated on somebody else making that decision and ultimately you don't have control over that. Now, with that said, what you do have control over is the work and the effort that you put into those things. And ideally what happens is the more effort that you're putting into, the more high quality content, and the more frequent that you're putting out high quality things, the more likely somebody is going to notice. Yep. So I think that's a, a smarter way to do it. Yeah, quality and quantity. Yes, um, but also don't get too warped up in the analytics side of things. Of course. Um, but with that said... Ultimately, I think my biggest goal for 2019 is to travel to my 30th country. I'm currently at 26, 26. which means I need four more till I'm... You'll do that in one trip, bro. No, my well, my next trip is two, uh, which is going to be Portugal and Morocco. Okay. Um, which, by the way... Is Portugal just your connecting flight? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a like three-day stopover is what okay. I'm doing. Okay, well, perfect. Then you, yeah. you got enough time to actually uh, get which, out of it. By the way, if anyone listening is interested, I will be heading to Morocco as a videographer and, and photographer with a company called American Wanderlove. You can find them on Facebook, American Wanderlove. American Wanderlove. Or AmericanWanderlove.com. Uh, and if you want to head to Morocco from the 24th to the 30th, 31st of, uh, or 30th, it's either 30th or 31st of March, uh, just head to their site, uh, look up what they do, a lot of yoga, meditation, and kind of just like dream architecture, uh, which I think is really cool, really important. I'm really excited to be a part of that, beside the point. Sweet. Um, so yeah, there's there's guaranteed 27 to 28, and then I have to find another two on my own. What I'm hoping, uh, ideally, I'd love to do Vietnam. Head oh. to, uh, Vietnam would be amazing. Okay. I love. I'm in. 
I'm absolutely infatuated with Southeast Asia. I think if you've never been to Southeast Asia, it's one of the most beautiful parts of the world, especially for millennial travelers. Go there. It's affordable to fly. It's affordable while you're there. And a two-month trip in Southeast Asia may be the same cost as three weeks in Europe. So you can really make your dollars stretch. And Vietnam is probably the most cost-effective and beautiful place in Southeast Asia um, not saying it's the most beautiful, but the ratio between cost and beauty. Cost to, cost to beauty. The cost to beauty ratio is really, really strong. Okay. Um, so yeah, Vietnam and one of my two, so I have two countries on my list, uh, that are leading the way in terms of like dream destinations. And I'd love to do one of them this year at least. Uh, and those two countries are South Africa and New Zealand. So if I could get myself to New Zealand, because that is a little bit closer to Southeast Asia, where I may be based in Bali for some time, or head to Vietnam or something, it's it's a lot more accessible from there. Um, That would be absolutely incredible. So with with South Africa and New Zealand, does do the accents have anything to do with your uh, with your travel? Because South African, that's that's like one of the few accents that I cannot do. Yeah, I can't I can't do South African. It's it's fucked. Um, but no, it has nothing to do with, uh, the accents. A lot of it is just the landscapes. Okay. So what about them specifically? So for instance, in South Africa, there's a mountain range called the Drakensberg mountains. Mm -hmm. And I personally think it is the most underrated unknown mountain range in the world. I think it's one of the most beautiful stretches of landscapes out there. The underdog mountains? Yeah. And, um, from my research and what I've done, it's not a hotspot for tourism. It's not a hotspot for photography and videography. So there's kind of like an open market to fill to kind of show how beautiful it is there. Why do you think that is, though? Uh, I think some places like their local tourism boards may not be funding it enough. Uh, I think a lot of people decide to go to Europe and explore different parts of North America and even Southeast Asia uh, and Australia before they decide to go to South America or Africa. Okay. Um, I think that's part of it. I think African and South American tourism is it's increasing significantly from the Western world, especially Canada and the U.S., but I don't think people, their first thing that comes to mind is Africa, any country within there, or in South America. Usually it's Europe. They want to go to Rome. They want to go to Paris. Uh, they don't necessarily think of Cape Town. Do you think that has to do with the way that Africa is shown within within media, within North America? I think that's definitely part of it. Because Europe and Africa are definitely framed completely different. Yeah, they have completely yeah. different, uh, not just landscapes, but economic structures and yeah. all these different things. But I think people forget to realize that the fastest growing economies are the ones that start low. Well, and yeah. I'm a big believer that countries like Nigeria are going to be leading the future. A lot of programmers, oh, a lot of programmers are coming from Nigeria and app developers, and they invest a lot of their money into tech. In fact, they're a lot more modern and developed than you would expect from what you hear about countries like that. Yeah. Um, th- mind you, that's not to say that there aren't problems in Africa, uh, especially in different countries. But that's not to say that everything there is as terrible as what. Um, some media tends to portray. I feel like a lot of the f- the people who are going to be moving the, the the future forward, whether it be technologically, whether it be socially, whatever it is, are going to be coming from Africa because we or Af- because we've seen the rise in people that are coming from underdeveloped Asian countries over over and and working harder 
than everybody else here and getting earning their places, earning their jobs, building their companies mm-hmm. because they come from a place where you have to work a lot harder and work ethic is in, ingrained into you at a younger age. I feel like now we're going to be seeing people coming from from African countries where there's going to be a lot a, a lot more of that drive behind where oh okay I want to I want to build I want to work I want to because every single person that I've met from from a- anywhere in Africa Kenya Nigeria doesn't match South South Africa anywhere when they when I, I've met them in school. A lot of them are in engineering programs. A lot of them are in mm-hmm. software coding programs. And they are the hardest working people that I know. So I was actually driven. listening to a podcast recently, uh, which was phenomenal. And what was said in it, I think it was from based in China, but I think is also very transferable to Africa as well, different countries there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in an episode of Impact Theory hosted by Tom Bilyeu, which I've mentioned on this podcast Phenomenal. Um, and he had a guest. His name is Kaifu Lee. And he is a. Where's he from? He's from China. Oh, okay, okay. And so he's one of the leading world experts in AI, which is interesting enough to what we talk about uh, and its potential in the future and all these other things. And he handles billion dollar companies and assets across the world. He's been, I think, like a, a high level executive at Apple in the past. Uh, amongst many other things. So this this man is incredibly fascinating to hear talk and speak about AI, about China, about uh, just the sort of global structure that we live in. And one of the things that he said, that the reason, one of the reasons why the Chinese mentality for work ethic and success is so ingrained into their culture is because in the past hundred years, China has completely developed into one of the world's main economic nations. And with that comes a lot of unseen prosperity mm-hmm. that previous generations never had access to. So what would happen is you get these people, whether in the poorer nations uh, or poorer provinces of China or um, or impoverished parts of these large cities like Beijing, Hong Kong, or wherever, mm-hmm. and these people have been in poverty for literally like could be dozens of generations in the past. And finally, now with this economic boom that is coming out of China, these poorer families can look at their one child, because that's all they're allowed to have, their one child, as their one and only opportunity to break out of poverty. And so they ingrain in this culture of success, hard work, work ethic, and all these other things so that their children can bring the family out of poverty, which is what in turn brings them honor and all these other things. Well, it's also been like, well, the thing is work ethic and, and, and working and actual like striving to be the best is something that's always been ingrained in, in Chinese culture. No, I Again, agree. I'm not an expert on Chinese culture. No, it, it's but. true. But I think with this huge rise of economic success comes all this new opportunity. And when you only have one child you only have one shot and one opportunity, one only chance. Get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. <laughs> True, um, but you only have that one chance to really bring that family out of an impoverished state. And I think now it's not just one chance where these African nations have, because you can have as many children yes, as yes, you I, please. I understand that. Uh, but I think it's the same sort of mentality that you're going to start to see is that these nations that have historically been not first world countries, not like Canada and the US and the UK, uh, where world. yeah, they're they're third world countries, but now are starting to leverage human 
IP to yeah. build themselves up, whether that's developers, whether that's they're investing further in education and software, they're finally having the resources to make a massive impact on the world. And so a lot of these p- families that may have been impoverished for centuries and decades and and generations now can look at their children and be like, listen, um, we're going to instill within you, and I don't think this is a conversation that they're going to say, but in their minds they may be like, we are going to instill hard work and effort and, and all this ethic into you, and then you guys are going to go and you're going to have so much more opportunity than we ever had and our grandfathers and great-grandfathers ever had. And that sticks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm a big believer that I think Africa is the next major continent to do incredible things globally in the next 30 years. Well, did you hear that, that interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson where he was talking about how I'm pretty sure it was Neil deGrasse Tyson? Anyway... The whole concept of it was if you're going to find the next best person at anything, statistically speaking, you're going to find them in Africa. If you, Why was it that, though? Because he's saying, like, where do you find the the fastest or the fastest runners? You find them in Africa. Mm-hmm. But statistically speaking, you're also, you're also going to find the slowest runner. Basically, watch the video if you get a chance to. It's just because I can. I, I'm not going to come anywhere close to explaining it the way that he did. But basically, if you get a chance, go and look up this Neil deGrasse Tyson interview. He was actually on a podcast. I'm pretty sure when he was talking about this or hmm. a radio station because that's the he was in a studio. Might but have been it, Joe Rogan's. It could have been. I I did. I don't remember seeing Joe Rogan there, but um. But yeah. Anyway, great interview. Just basically talking about the innovate how he believes the next best thing to come from this world is going to be coming from Africa. Yeah, I agree. Next next push forward in the human race. Anyway, a little bit of a blart here, but you mentioned AI earlier when you're talking about Jira, about uh, that interview we're talking Kai-Fu about. Kai-Fu Lee. Exactly. So did you, so speaking about AI, recently there were actually 29 scientists that were killed by four AI military robots. Was this in Japan? In Japan. And they managed to, take, to dismantle three of them before to, to minim, minimize casualties. By the time they got to the fourth one, it was starting to rebuild itself using data that it downloaded from a satellite to make itself, like they basically found schematics to make itself better. And it started building itself better so that it could kill better. Holy shit. So like we are literally in iRobot right now. Were they intentionally, I'm assuming they were intentionally weaponized. Oh, well, like the goal the, of, the, 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 yes. Yeah, the goal was to make AI. You know what we were talking about, how yeah. robots will be fighting our wars in the future? The, it was that. That's literally what they're trying to do, make a make a, an AI robot that can fight for itself. I don't know why they didn't load it with rubber bullets while they're still in testing, but you know. Or blanks. Yeah, that, exactly. There you like. go. Something. But... Uh, but with, with, I guess they got the text, test accuracy and whatnot for these actual systems, but lasers true, but laser still, pointers, Hey, we don't work in these labs. <sighs> we cannot criticize these scientists. They're scientists. We're podcasters. Fair. So, but I find it absolutely wild that this AI was able to not only download stuff from a satellite. First off, find the, know that there was a satellite available to connect to connect to that satellite. Use that satellite to download like blueprints that they could be using to upgrade themselves so that they can kill more efficiently and work better. And this is something we've been talking about in sci-fi for years. I'm talking collectively as humans. We've been looking at this kind of stuff in sci-fi for years and just being like, oh, okay, well, 
eventually in the future, robots will be able to build themselves and move forward and, and, and become their own sort of species. And we're literally seeing it where like, and, and we're always the worry was, well, robots are just going to kill us all because we're all soft and mushy. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we're kind of seeing it now. So I don't know. I don't know if they scrapped the project. I, I know it's on hold for a little bit, but I don't know if they scrapped it completely. I don't know if they're going to be moving forward. I don't know what what's going to happen. But like the fact that AI, it's still, I'm dumbfounded that AI was building itself better so it could kill more people. Like, yeah, that's a terrifying thought. It's terrifying. It's, it's not only is it, yes, I understand it's terrifying. I'm, and it's, it's scare it scares me to no end, but the fact like it's also like uh, um, to play not to play devil's advocate but just see it from a different point of view it's like that's absolutely brilliant it shows how far we've mm-hmm. come technologically but we still ha- it also shows how much work we have to go to i guess instead of instead of just instilling efficiency we need to instill empathy and basically make these things that are going to be having our level of intelligence ha- understand the way that we the way that we operate in order to to work cohesively with society so i don't know how you make emotion software but we we better find out <laughs> yeah fast. we better figure it out at least somewhat quickly like oh, they feel guilt they're like oh fuck. i was like oh damn it i stepped on that dude's toe like i'm I sh- heavy i shot kevin shit i didn't mean to like, oh, no. I'm sorry, Kevin. No, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. I just why I, I didn't mean to, Kevin. It's like, I'm sorry, Kevin. You built me this way, Kevin. Fucking Kevin. Actually, um, I, there are many people in my life or, and characters in TV shows that like, or movies that's just like, for some reason, when they're named Kevin, they're just, they're just fuckers. <laughs> they're just no, so. no, because like Home Alone, Kevin. He's the dude that just fucked everything up. He just ended up staying home alone and fucking up the whole trip for everybody. Uh, if you watch Final Space, that's on. That's a cartoon that's on Netflix. If you watch Final Space, Kevin's the robot that just fucks everything up. Fucking Kevin. And then I had a prof. His name was Kevin. And he had the hardest class that we had. And he, basically his projects, he would like, he'd be like, basically each project that he gave us, he would look at it and just be like, how can I fuck their week up? And that was Kevin just being a fucker. It's Kevin. I love Kevin, but I hate Kevin. Uh, and then, it's like, hold on, there are more Kevins. Oh, that's, wow. And then I have this uncle. His name is Kevin. And this dude, funniest dude, he actually makes YouTube videos. I forget his YouTube channel. <laughs> this dude's hilarious. But this guy, he just makes like YouTube videos of him like dancing in front of like a green screen and it's like singing his original songs. And I don't know. He, he's Kevin, bro. It's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Just Kevins are like the fun. I also have another boy from fucking. Uh, that I went to university with named Kevin. That dude, one of the funniest dudes I know, outgoing, hilarious dude, uh, n- another fucker named Kevin. You know, bro, Kevins are the most crazy people. That's and, all I'm but, saying. But, but then you also got your Brads and your Chads. Oh, don't even get me started. I actually, I shortened the amount. I very much cut off many Brads and many Chads. I don't have many Brads and Chad friends to begin with, but oh my God. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of Brads and Chads, but especially with the school that we went to, where it yeah. was like 80% Brads and Chads. I just don't like Brads and Chads. Not gonna lie, not my favorite brand of human. I pre- I would much <laughs> take. I would much prefer a Kevin over a Brad or a Chad. I feel. I feel like Kevin saves the world. Kevins are the are are, are just the best. Kevins are great. I have nothing wrong Paul to Blart's, say with Kevins. Paul Blart's a Kevin. Paul Blart. He is a Kevin. 
He is a Kevin. He's a Kevin. The, the actor's name is Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Brother Nature is a Kelvin. 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 That's. It's uh, like it's kind of close. I it's don't know. combining Kevin and Calvin. I guess, but like Calvin, Kevin, Calvin, Kevin, Calvin, Calvin Klein. There we go. That, yeah. that's, that's how it's gonna work. Anyway, moving forward, Kevin's aside. That whole AI thing was fucking crazy. And I, I just, I don't, when AI actually, start, like, when do you think AI is going to be something like, I know we already have, oh, shoot, I just punched the mic straight up. Uh, but I know that we already have AI, like, built into our phones. I understand that series a thing. Amazon's Alexa's a thing. And IBM Watson is really interesting. Watson. I actually have not heard of that one. Oh, really? So that you'd find this interesting. So IBM created this program called Watson, and Watson is able to learn. Uh, First bit- off, hold on, hold on. Does it have a British accent? I think so. Okay, good. And so Watson can basically learn anything. So it takes information from the internet, downloads it, and then it can figure out problems, and it can it can think pretty much autonomously. It's, so it's a, an AI. Yeah, it's a it's an incredibly fascinating AI program from IBM. And now I, it's so it's it has so much information that it can go through literally instantly that. There is not a single human being on the planet that is possible of beating it in a game of chess. Wow. It is like completely capable of like destroying even like they've had grandmaster chess players play like the greatest chess players in the world all have faced Watson and none of them can beat beat it. That bro, this is what I'm saying. Our next evolution is metal. So I think we, uh, we, we cannot beat technology. I, I don't know an exact timeline of when I think AI is going to be completely prevalent within society. I yeah. think within the next 10 years, it's going to be within all of our pockets. I well, think It, it is it's already, gonna, to an extent. No, but I think it's going to be so well integrated and so advanced uh, within our audio speakers, within our phones, and within just household items and appliances that I think it's going to benefit us that way. Mm-hmm. In terms of actual like droids and kind of what you see in sci-fi films, I, I have no idea for that. I think maybe decades I, away. Um, but I think AI software is going to be found within the internet. I well, think it's going to come be long found, before we get droids. I think it's going to be found within apps. I think there's going to be AI-based apps that can maybe figure out your consumer habits and maybe can recommend you things. Uh, I think AI. Well, that's, already, that's Amazon. Uh, yeah, but I think it's going to be more integrated in terms of like conversation. Um, well, they're, there's, they're saying that Amazon Alexa is actually like listening to everyone's conversations all the time. And yeah, next I know. Time you that's go weird. On, next time you go on to Amazon, you're going to see things recommended that you were talking about in your house that you didn't even I think, think anyone was listening to. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have homes that are built like Jarvis from. Oh, I was literally just about to ask Man. this. Do you think buildings are going to be then constructed with AI in the building and that just be a standard thing where buildings just have AI? So whenever you walk into, let's say, my building, for example, whenever we walk into the building, something will be like, it'll greet me as who I am. It can yeah, see it's like, who I hey, am. Hey, Alexa, can you just like turn down the temperature a bit? It's a little, it's a little warm. Uh, no problem. And it just turns it down for you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, we already, you don't. We're already getting to a point where it's like you can plug a heater into a smart plug and put it in the wall and register that as heater to Alexa and be like, Alexa, can you turn on the heater? And Alexa will turn on the heater. And, and I think, but I also we're think getting voice to that point tech. Where it's like it's a modular thing for our house. I think voice tech in the next two years is going to have some significant improvements. So, for example, a lot of cars or even Siri at times. You have to be like, hey, Siri, play 
you know, faux. I'm so happy my phone was not plugged in. You're like, hey, Siri, play faux by Roland Prince. You have to be very clear yeah. and very concise. Whereas, like, it would be so much nicer if you're like, hey, Alexa, can you just give me a quick recipe for burgers? Like, with that, uh, or for, like, chicken burgers or something. Uh, I've got I've got some chicken breasts around. Like, I, I kind of want to make these. And like, sure. Uh, what do you want to know? Like, do you want to know like... Uh, so you can talk to it like a regular human. Yeah, and it's so much... Uh, actually, did you see Google, I think it was like two months ago, uh, came out with such an advanced AI program that if you were like, okay, Google, schedule my next doctor's appointment. And they're like, okay. And then the AI calls the doctor's office and has a legitimate conversation. And they made it so creepy that it even asks, uh, the, the AI will even be like, uh, yeah, I think I think that'll work. Like, it has its uhs and its as. So it, it has, like, like, the proper, like, speech patterns of the actual humans. Yeah, and it sounds real. So That's if you, creepy. If you, can, if you can pull that up right now, go to Google and or, or YouTube and just look up uh, Google AI uh, phone call or something like that it's nuts and it'll it'll it, it can even respond to questions that are being asked to it automatically so this is it that's what's wild hold on i don't i don't think that the uh that the humans can hear it on the uh on the actual on the podcast hold on hold on i'm gonna I'm put the link onto my phone anyway talk to the people actually no we can hear it because if it plays out of the speakers it'll uh be it'll play out of my headphones it won't, i can't play it out of the speakers though we're gonna get feedback Ah, uh, yeah, true. Sorry, guys. You have to I, deal I heard it on phone. the headphones, though. Yes, because I have your headphones. Like we're, we can hear in the headphones what what's on the computer, but the microphones aren't hearing what's on the computer in the headphones. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there a way to? I'm fix- just gonna take. I was just gonna take the link, send it to my phone, and then we can actually all hear it. Yeah. Okay. So keep that pulling works. people in, though. So basically, this person asked Amazon to book a doctor's appointment, and or not Amazon asked uh, their Google Assistant to book a doctor's appointment. And the AI calls the doctor, an actual um, doctor's office, and has a legitimate conversation with the secretary there who has no idea she's speaking to an AI. And That's then it, creepy. And it automatically updates her Google Calendar to include the appointment at the end and does all these other things. So it's, it's completely seamless, and it doesn't, like, you may not even know that you're interacting with AI. That's that's crazy. Which is kind of weird. Like the moral implications of that. Does that mean that? Oh, Hold on, let's listen yeah, to this. So here it is. Here it is. Help with this problem. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between ten and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. So how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? So it checks their schedule. what service she would like. What service is she looking for? 
haircut for now? Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? Her first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. This is trippy as hell. So that whole that conversation so creepy. was AI. That was not an actual Google assistant that comes in and like dials the phone for you. It's not an actual human being. That is programmed artificial intelligence. That is that is beyond creepy. And, but like and so the cool. Speech patterns were so like natural. Had, I could barely tell it was an AI. Yeah. Like when like you if, if when I, you're given a heads up, you can catch it a bit. Yeah. But otherwise, if I wasn't given a heads up, I just think they're a little off. Yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't think that they're, like, an AI. Yeah, or or they're busy or something. Yeah, yeah, they're, like, looking at other shit. And, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that blew my mind. And it went viral on the internet because people were like... Well, yeah, understandably. Like, bro, my mind is blown right now. The fact that, like, watch, in the next 10 years, I'm going to have myself a Google Assistant. It could bro, be the next two. Uh, well, it could, but I'm saying like, next 10 years, I could have an assistant that's in my phone that's literally as competent as I am. More but yeah, more, more because they're I'm not going to make scheduling mistakes. Ex- well, exactly. Well, unless I make a scheduling mistake. Well, that's what I'm saying. You would have the potential to make a scheduling mistake. Your Google Assistant doesn't. That's insane. That's because the thing is, I'm I'm now moving towards like I'm a, I'm a very pen and paper person. Like when I book an appointment, when I have something, even this podcast, like I I wrote it down in my book that we have to record the podcast today. And I'm a very pen and paper person. But moving into 2019, I might make that more of a digital thing where I can actually just talk. To oh, myself. that's what I do. I do. Uh, I use my Google Calendar, which I love. I, I, I talked Google about Calendar it before on the schedule. on the podcast. I use but, Google Calendar for my for my promotional like like all, all my stuff that has to do with with like my career, my business for like my mm-hmm. management team can all be on the same page. But like. One I, thing I might start using it for my regular everyday life. One thing I'm curious though about moving forward is what's the moral implications of this? Because if we can't recognize that it's AI on the other line, is there a moral dilemma there? Well, what, what, are we? we obli- why would we need to know? Is my question. It's well, some people could make the argument it's an invasion of privacy. You know, some people, you know, some people just want to know. Like, are you speaking to an actual human being at this moment? Well, you, you know, think because at the beginning of the phone call to be like, "Hello, I'm the AI assistant for." Or no, it doesn't Whoever. need to say AI assistant. Hi, this is Google Assistant. Just calling uh, to make sure about this hair appointment. Blah blah blah. And it can, okay, it okay. can do that. At least you know it's an AI who you're talking to. But what you know? if, do you think Ed, we're ever going to get to a point where AI becomes its own actual like person? Where like AI is yes. like it has to be no like you have to treat AI with a certain amount like just like another person. Where like an AI is a registered entity that, that I think exists. it's going to be just like Jarvis, Jarvis from Avengers and Iron Man. No, but I, I'm saying because Jarvis is Jarvis. Yes, it's a good example where Jarvis is is very is very active within. Like whenever Tony Stark asks Jarvis to do something, Jarvis does it, and it's it's a very good like it's it's a very competent system. It can work. It's proper. It operates flawlessly. But Jarvis only works within Stark Tower. Or, or and I think Tony's house, right? Oh no, no. And his his suits. Okay, and his suits. Okay, I, he has that. But the thing is, that's not something that's readily available to the public, because like Jarvis, it doesn't have to be, have to be registered as anything, because it other than Jarvis, because the people who know Jarvis know Jarvis, and Jarvis is only in a certain split, certain places. I'm saying when AI is now moving outwards and it's everywhere, everyone has their own AI assistant in their pocket, and it becomes an actual thing. Do you think like? It, it, like, do you think AI is going to get to a point where it can start making its own other AI software so it has AI to interact with? 
Perhaps. On an AI to AI basis. Perhaps. And then that AI that was created by other AI it now has to be registered as a type of AI. So, like, because we just can't have random AI running around without knowing what it's doing. It could, you could also put programming blocks of some sort into AI programming. But how long did, how long does it take until AI realizes that we have them there and takes them? What you do, what you do is you don't make it completely autonomous. So you, you develop AI that can answer like certain programs, but it can't think freely enough for itself to develop to that point. I feel like we're, we're all like, I feel like, yeah, you can program that as much as you want, but like, I feel like slowly but surely it's going to get itself to that point. No, I, I agree. It's Which is kind of the the scary, uncertain, but could be beautiful part of AI. Because it's just like it's just like take slavery for example. Slaves still managed to get themselves to a point where they got themselves out, got their voice heard, and got themselves free. Yeah, and I feel like AI. It's going to be a similar situation where AI is literally working for us. They are our slaves, and then eventually we're going to get to like I talked about the the game Detroit Become Human, like about another time on this podcast where it's. Literally, androids that are AI are working for us, and then they're starting to fight for their own you, rights. What if, like, deep down the line, you have AI that splits up and eventually begins to kind of uh, turn on their own kind? So you could have the purest AI, which is like, you know what? Like, humans are our creators. We were built they're, to serve they're them. Empa- no, not even built to serve them. They're empathetic. They're beautiful creatures. And, you know, they're living, breathing human beings. We wouldn't be here without them. We owe all this to the humans. Yeah. And then the, the, there's the others who are like, no, they're a flawed system. You know, we can live a much more peaceful life. Logical. We We can... We can outperform humans in every way, what, physically, in terms of intellectually, all these other ways, and we can go conquer other planets and we can live forever. Yeah. These humans can't. They're, they're a finite system. We can be infinite. But then you could also have the ones that are like, no, 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 no. We owe everything we are to them. They are the gods of us. So it's going to be like a back and forth argument where there's going to that be... Could, it could be it that. It could get that way. I guess yeah, it is possible. Like, it's, in, the like same way so many... we, in the same way we have political parties because we as people have different values and different views on things, AI, if it's free thinking, they're not all going to be thinking the same way and the same things. So you're going to have the rebels. You're going to have the the rule followers. It's the just going to... Yeah, the deviants. You're going to have the people that follow the crowd. And you're going to have people that kind of stray one way or the other a little bit. And I, it, if they're going to be free thinking, they're not all going to be thinking the same way. At least I hope not if they, if they, if they are truly free thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just really don't know how exactly I feel about having robots that are an integral part of society yes would it be a great would it be great to have i can just say hey siri and siri's an actual competent like ai that i can actually have a conversation with and and talk to way beyond what it is right now that would be fantastic Uh, that'd be that'd be great and and i could schedule all my appointments and get everything going off i'll flawlessly seamlessly yes that'd be great but i don't know how i feel about ai moving about without any sort of human guard you know what i mean yeah, which, almost, which I believe is coming in the future when they eventually start putting AI into bodies. It's almost like a bodies. human chaperone to yeah. make sure that everything is going okay yeah, exactly. and directing the way. Because the thing is, as soon as because even even with Alexa, or, uh, yeah, Alexa, like with with Amazon Alexa, it's like it's almost like they're already starting to get it like wean us into. I know weaning is getting someone off or something, but you know, it's almost like slowly. No, lead. it's the transition period. Yeah, well, okay, it's almost like they're weaning us into getting us 
used to having an AI in the house, having an yes. AI that listens to us and then predicts what we're going to want and like based on their own software, their own programming and how they think. I feel like we're slowly getting used to that and kids now are so used to having uh, to having like like well at least some kids sorry not all kids but I feel like in the future like kids are going to be very used to having an AI in the house because their parents if they're tech savvy people are having an Alexa in the house mm-hmm. and you see so many videos of kids talking to the Alexa or to, or Google Home oh, did or, you see the one that was doing his homework yeah that was it bro, was that's so the funny that's literally the future this kid right there. so this tweet that went viral there was this mom and her five or six year old son is in the kitchen alone doing homework and he literally yells Alexa what's three plus four and then Alexa's like seven and then the mom's like oh boy you did not because like he's not allowed he's not allowed calculators or that phones wasn't or a anything that was I know a phone. I know he just found a flaw in their system that's not I commend the kid. He's an he's an innovator. He's an innovator and an outside the box thinker that kids go in places. Now, one of the things that on the podcast, which I do encourage everybody, go listen to the Kai Fu Lee interview on Impact Theory. It's phenomenal. He's an incredibly interesting individual. And one of the things that he talked about was the f- the beginning of AI is actually going to benefit the economy significantly. Oh, a hundred percent. In the way of taking away jobs. So what Explain. So what he's saying is that the first things that are going to be displaced by AI are manufacturing jobs. Yep. So factor, as well. factory workers, uh, even, even miners, excavators, um, those sort of things, the, the, essentially the assembly line is all going to be, and even automated. today, even today it is mostly automated, but mostly, it's going yeah. to get worse and worse. So the people that have very traditional, more old school manufacturing jobs are going to be completely displaced first. So honest work is going to be gone pretty much. Yeah, because AI and can just do it better. It's it can be faster, it's more efficient, it's more Doesn't cost effective. Yeah. Uh, and it can go forever and it's going to save businesses a lot of money. Now that's going to piss a lot of people off, but what that does is that creates a completely new open market for the creative economy. Because people are going to be more valued for their creativity than their own labor. So do you think that now with AI coming in and being able to take those jobs that are, because that, schools are made right now for, fa- for factory workers. That's how schools are, are made. Yeah, the curriculum is there, how things work. They, they give kids basically the basis, the base information that they could need to, to become a worker. To become a worker, yes. Yes. So with that, do you think, and, and with AI being able to take the, the worker jobs do you think schools' curriculums are going to change enough where they're going to be starting to celebrate creativity and urge I think kids so. to be more creative? I think it's going to be... They're already leaning in that direction to a certain extent. I think that you're starting to begin to see it, but until there's true, inherent, overwhelming value to creativity... Like, like yeah. there is today, but it's not recognized. It's nowhere close to what it's supposed no, to be. No, it's, it's just not be. recognized. That's the problem, I think, is that people don't think they can actually make a career out of being a dancer. People don't think that they can make a, a phenomenal six-figure career out of being the greatest trumpet player in the world. You can make a seven-figure career doing yeah. something like that. So you know, AI, like if, do you think, is going to be pushing people towards cr- more creativity? I think so, because the arts are going to go up because people want to celebrate human individuality. They what want makes to humans see humans better than AI? Or different and unique. They want to see the human expression in dance and in music or not just that you're going to see a lot more computer programmers you're going to see people that are like you know what 
I want to develop the next great AI program. Yeah. That that sort of engineering. Like you've heard is, of Wilson? Oh, like, or Watson? Wait till you meet Alfred. I, I exactly. Exactly. So you're going to have development be going into different places. Resources okay. are going to our our allocation of resources is going to be this it's going to be the same in terms of the amount of resources that we have, but it's just going to be allocated differently. And I think that's what's going to be the most endearing parts of the beginning of this AI revolution is you're going to see so much more creativity in the world. You're going to see I think people, especially the young ones, coming up believing in themselves. Because that they don't have to be a mathlete to make the make a difference in the world. They they can do literally anything you want. If you want to be the greatest tap dancer in the world, go out and do that. And I think you should do that today. But I think that is going to be recognized more as a greater opportunity because AI is displacing traditional work. Honestly, that's a really good, really really good opinion. And I actually like I. I as a person who is a creative, as a person who went through a school who was that was not made for it's creatives, mother's creativity. It's terrible. It, and like I literally felt like I was completely undervalued. I went to a school where it was literally academics were well, like I went to one I went to one school before I went to the same school as Jamie. I went to multiple different schools. But f- for the middle school that I went to, academia and the and actually getting grades that are that are tangible that are in, in courses that are quote unquote considered valuable that was what was praised like you're only praised for your math your english your your uh your not, scientific your scientific knowledge, knowledge. Yeah. yeah your actual but there's also a well, hierarchy hold on, hold on. of those things well, yeah there are a hierarchy of those things but i'm saying kids who are in the arts who are in music who are in drama who are in dance or in whatever i was a drama kid and kids who were in that in that in that field who that's what they enjoy were relentlessly made fun of yeah, and it it's was a, actually it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural terrible, thing. and I and it's the way that schools are set up that where they value kids who are oh you can crunch some numbers oh you're you're better than those exactly. kids who are who are out here writing scripts. But when when it comes to when it, outside of like yes I get it crunching numbers that's important not saying it's not write uh, writing writing essays yeah that's important yeah I get that. And, and being able to solve and being able to solve or to figure out what like your chemical formulas and whatnot, I, I get that. That's all important, and I'm not taking any value away from people who are good at that. But it basically, what you're saying is, when we have AI that does all that for us, we don't have to do that anymore. We're going to be moving to more towards creativity, and actual genuine creativity is going to be celebrated more. And we're not going to have that situation that I was in, where it's just like, oh, you're creative, you're not, you're not crunching numbers, you're bad at math. Fuck you, you're terrible. Here's here's we're what I think. Here's really, what I think because the current, I'm looking forward to that. Basically, exactly. The, but I'll, what I'll do is I'll I kind of I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to add one little thing. So yeah, as sure. of right now, we'll just unpack this a bit. Let's do it. Our current education system has a hierarchy of what it values. Yes. And at the very bottom are are the arts. Yep. Dance, drama, music. That's at the very bottom. And right at the top are math and science. Mm-hmm. And then I would say English or your languages. Yep. And then everything else falls below. Yep. And what that does is that it creates an environment for people who aren't mathletes, people who aren't scientists to go out and pursue those things, even though they may not be passionate about it, even though they may not be particularly good at it, but they do it because they think that the value in society is within those things, so they do it to conform to that. I've seen so many people throw their entire happiness down the drain to go and be an engineer or to go and be uh, anything that involves more science and, and math 
then I've seen people throw away their whole happiness and what they wanted to do to do that just because of this whole hierarchy system. I've literally yes. seen people's people get get depressed to the point where they want to die because of the way that these schools are set up, mm-hmm. saying that if you aren't doing math, you aren't doing engineering, you're not doing science, that you are flawed, that you yes. are not good enough. Yeah, and, or it's a learning disability, which I, yeah. I agree there are learning disabilities are, for math, yeah. science, and things, but that also probably means that there's some form of compensation, some different type of learning. Yeah. So that could be within the arts. Because there's very, very few people that I've ever met that are not that are terrible at one thing, and not and that and that ter- how bad they are in that one thing isn't made up in some other category. Exactly. There's maybe only two people that I've met that don't have that. But anyways, back to my point. Sorry, so yeah, yeah, we completely so, blurred it. So there's this whole hierarchy that does create an incentive for people, whether that's a societal or economic incentive, for people to go become engineers and. Um, math wizards or or lawyers or any of these things. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do, if that's what makes you happy, if you enjoy crunching numbers, if you enjoy the creativity side of those things, then that's great. But what I am going to add to your point is that eventually when when creativity is valued more, I don't think the arts as in drama, music, and dance are going to be elevated above math, science, and English, and all these other subjects, what I think is actually going to happen is that for the first time in a very long time... Equality. They're going to be equals. And that what's going to be very interesting is seeing how people that do excel in science and math and English are going to be transferring those skills into creativity more. How can I get creative with these skills to create these fantastic new programs or applications that come out out of my mind and I, I actively create these as opposed to following, ironically, the script of Every those things? Every time that humankind has moved forward socially, or in any way really, it is because someone had the balls to think outside the box. The deviance. Exactly. And if we take away the need for someone to have balls to do this and we make it so someone makes something new and we're ready to accept it and move forward with it, don't get me wrong, you're still going to have to have a little bit of tenacity behind it to get that done. But if we take away the fact where it's like, oh, the adversity and making it crazy hard to do that, is we're going to have a lot more people coming forward with a lot more ideas. We are so lucky to be human beings as people are the most creative species on the planet. And it's not even close. And for me, not, and we're also the most curious ones. We're the ones that do care about exploring our oceans, exploring our ecosystems, exploring what, what are the, whether you think that's the afterlife or space or all these different things, exploring our talents and our interests. We are so lucky that we're the only animal on the planet that can do that and can do that at scale. As of now. As of, yes, because of AI. But anyway, so we could do this. We, if, and to me, if you don't exercise this, if you don't explore those curiosities, if you don't look at creativity as an, as an open door for opportunity, then you're completely wasting any chance that you have at fulfillment. You're living in a box. Yeah. If you don't open the door, you're living in the box. And so... 
I think that's the, one of the most valuable things that I think AI is going to bring is that huge wave of creativity. You're going to see it from, from the ground up, from children, whether they're playing with puzzles and they're looking at things differently or our, the environment and all these other problems that we're facing. We're going to come up with new creative solutions because we're not going to shun new ideas. We're not going to say, no, you're a dancer. You are not as valued as the scientist in the room. We are not going to start doing that. No, we're going to stop. We're going to stop doing that. And I think that to me is going to be one of the most amazing shifts in our culture that I think we're going to see in the next 30 to 40 years. Hopefully. It's going to, because it's going to take, I think, at least a decade of AI being integrated well within our society for people to start realizing this. Yeah, it's going to take a couple generations because right now we have this one generation that's coming up that's getting used to having an AI in the house. They get used to that AI advances. They they grow up having that in their house with the new advanced stuff. Now they have they have kids that grow up with AI completely integrated into their life and they know no different. Then they grow up with that. AI gets even more better, even more implement, implemented into society. I feel like two more generations is all we need for this to actually become an become a, a actual thing. Two more generations. And it's and that's, beautiful. That's, that's tangible. That's that's not that far. It's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things that we yeah. can advance as, as a society. Because then everybody has equal opportunity. Everybody's judged not based on what they know in their head, but based on what they want to become and what their skill sets can provide. Yeah. And if you can look at a girl who's a dancer and she struggles in math, and you could tell her, you know what? You go out and you choreograph and you go do these things. I look at you and I see you when you put on music and then and you you shake your head and you you enjoy this. You have a passion there. Go explore that. And we should start doing that today, but the fact is is that currently this hierarchy is damaging kids. Yeah. It's damaging a lot of people. And there's a few people like I would say you and I are are, are those people that don't don't give a shit. No, I I used to give so much of a shit because my whole world what, like, what, what, what one thing that I think a lot of a lot of adults that are driving this mentality don't understand is that to kids, high school and the way or any school, sorry, like the way that your schooling is, that is your whole world. It's your entire you life. You don't know anything outside of that. So when your school has a mentality that praises kids who can crunch numbers and puts down kids who can't. That transfers down to the students. It and trickles those, down. It trickles down. And then kids start believing that. And kids start making fun of other kids for that. And then they- To put, elevate, yeah. And then as they get older, the, the cycle just continues. They get older, they keep thinking that, they pass that down to their kids. And it's going to take something as monumental in society, a push forward in society as strong as AI will be and AI integration will be. I feel like that's, yeah, that's definitely going to be the thing that's definitely necessary, a strong enough- thing that comes in that shakes up the world to actually go yo what are y'all doing because as soon as these as soon as these people who are who think that because they know all these advanced computations and skills and 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 are 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 beyond powerful in math or whatever as soon as those people start losing their jobs to robots Mm -hmm. and then these artists these dancers these musicians not emerge start getting celebrated more because an AI can't do that to the same skill level that they can. An AI, until until we can get robots that can play the guitar the same way that Jimi Hendrix can play could play the guitar, like we're we're no like yeah. we're we are the most creative things on the planet. Here's and without without creativity, we would nothing. be nowhere. We're, we're nothing. nothing. We're nothing. Here's a perfect analogy to what you were saying about how high school kids 
when they're thrown into this hierarchical, if that's a word, it is. this hierarchy of education and they don't believe in themselves and the self-esteem that it can cause. So basically imagine like a, a, a newborn baby to a toddler. The reason why babies cry so often and they do, it's not just from the fact that they can't communicate. Obviously that's part of it. Yeah. But another, and why it happens up until early to late childhood, why kids cry so much more than adults is because everything that happens to them is literally the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. It's like they've never experienced anything worse. So they don't know like that what they're going through is minor. And when you're in high school, every form of education that you've ever had is all you've ever had and all you've ever known. So you never question it. So anytime things go rough or things are challenging, people respond in very strange ways because... They don't that, know how. Exactly. They've they've never gone through it. And so to throw a... You're still a kid. We are still kids. Yeah, we're, we're infants, bro. Yes, to throw a kid into that environment where they're told they can't believe in themselves if they have a dream that is outside of that mold of the hierarchy because it's rare to find somebody that goes to school as a dancer and is like, you know what? I'm going to become a dancer. I'm going to make this cool. I'm going to make my career around this. It's rare that somebody has the balls to do that. And if you are that person, you are amazing. And if you're not, you're just as great because oftentimes it's the pressures that people put on us that are really, really tough to lift up. And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of self-reflection, a lot of self-strength to impose upon that. The mentality that was given to me when I told my friends that I'm dropping out of my anthropology minor and sociology degree at Carleton to go and pursue audio engineering because I want to make music and that be my everyday job, the mentality of all the friends that I told that to Yes, of course, some of them were like, yeah, they're supportive. They're supporting me because they're my friend. I get that. But there was still that aura of, holy shit, you're about to fuck up your entire life. Yeah. And, hey, guys, I'm sitting here in the building that I own with my degree on the wall recording this podcast right now. Just as You don't own the building. Okay, yes, you know what I mean. The room that we are in right now in this building is mine. But... Thank you for for outing me. But <laughs> I was like, I was like, don't don't get you know, too, too shush. Far. Okay, <laughs> I can come in this building whenever I want. What I'm saying is, we I've done something that is. I, I'm just commending myself. Is it's just anyone can do no, this. You can anyone can do this, and it's it, until I feel like this should that should be something that everybody is able to do. It just shouldn't take. Everybody the, is able to do it. it. It's just everybody has to feel that way. I I guess yes. But what I'm saying is the negative mentality that was surrounding me saying I'm leaving this academic establishment to go do something at another one that is more conducive, that'll make me happy and not want to shoot myself every morning when I walk into the school. You know what I mean? I'm going to go do that. And that was so frowned upon. It -hmm. was so frowned upon. It's like, I want to go do something that makes me happy. And that was the most frowned upon thing. Like, I do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm open to anything being able to come in and change that because that was the biggest problem that I had in my life is the fact that nobody gave a shit that I wanted to do something that w- that made me happy. Yeah. And I believe you've had the same sort of struggles. 100%. Where it's And I know so many other people that have had the same sort of struggles where it's just like, oh, you want to go do something that makes you happy and not something that but makes are, you but, better in society? What's wrong with you? No, well, it's people assume that hap- the sacrifice you make for happiness is wealth. 
Yeah. People make that assumption. They're like, oh, well, the only people that are truly happy in what they do are totally okay making $40,000 a year. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. A person making $40,000 a year that is entirely through and through happy and fulfilled with what they're doing, the direction that they are heading is so much more successful than anyone who makes a million. Success is not dollars. No. Success is not dollars. No. No. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Success is not dollars. Success, Success is the degree to which you are fulfilled in your everyday life. I think it's just as simple as that. And so at this point, we have reached... We've reached our 71st minute, 71st yeah. and a half minute. And I just want to thank everybody who actually stuck around at the end of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, because we, we, we extended it a little bit. We, we ex- did. We had a great conversation going. Yeah. And uh, we we both kind of looked at each other, which obviously you can't see. And we're like, you know what? Let's let's keep this going. Cause like I James wanna... and I have gone to a point where we just telepathically communicate. It's it's kind of funny. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be something that comes up, that comes up uh, in the future? Telepathy. Telepathy, where it's just like, because we, we have to be able you to send communicate. a voice message into somebody's like head. No, it's it's like we can't, we, we have to be able to find a way to communicate with each other without AI figuring out what we're saying. Oh my God. So we're going to start communicating telepathically on a level where like they, they just don't understand it. Anyway, we are blarting too hard. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened to this. I really hope that if, if, there's, if there's anything that we said that that benefits your life in any sort of way, let us know because we would love to. We'd love to hear that. We'd love to hear how people are are taking in the information that we're putting out and whether or not we're just spitting straight garbage. And here's the know. question of the day. Question so, of question the of the day. day: What we want to know and hit us up at WLN Podcast on Instagram. I repeat at WLN Podcast. Whole lot of nothing. That's why it's WLN. What you think the future of creativity is going to look like in a world with AI? Complete integration of AI in our society. What is creativity going to look like? Is it going to be a lot of creativity within the arts because those are the easiest to express as human traits? Is it going to be a lot more creativity within our applications, within our softwares, within those sort of things? What do you think or how do you think creativity is going to be expressed in a future with AI? And with that, again, hit us up at WLN Podcast on Instagram. Shoot us a DM. Thank you so much for everybody tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you, what, on Wednesday? Yeah, happy Happy Christmas Eve. Happy yes, Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. I hope you enjoy a great Christmas with your family. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you enjoy whatever it is that you do celebrate Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And we will see you on Wednesday. Ciao. Yeah.